to be trying to see the birthday present through his body. She looked up. I hope you didn't get me something too extravagant, she said. I said no extravagance this year, with the new house. Clark's extravagance with money was sometimes an issue, but for him to bring up her bringing it up would have been a whole new collateral issue. Today was a birthday. Charlotte's birthday, though did it matter who's in a marriage? A day to remember the hunger one felt as a child for each new thing, each singular word, and each honest daybreak. He fondled the gift box behind his back. It's not extravagant, he said. Okay, she said, looking up at the ceiling. It's not flowers, and it's not extravagant. What is it, Charlotte Adair thought, out of all things? A gift, a birthday gift. Suddenly, she found herself believing that inside this small box was one of the fantastical gifts on some long-ago wish list. A harp, a pony, a castle. The thought made her giddy. She felt that she was at the center of everything. She was the birthday girl. The gift was for her. She closed her eyes and felt the rupturing pressure of laughter in her chest. But just then, her eyes snapped open. She was afraid to stand there with her eyes closed, like a child praying to God. She looked around suspiciously at the strange new kitchen. Then she looked at her husband's shadowed face, almond-colored, pretty-eyed. What if for some reason he was pulling her leg? Let me see it, she said. No way, laughed Clark. You'll guess right away if you see it. She stepped back. She took a deep breath. Of course he wasn't pulling her leg. He liked giving presents. He liked birthdays. Is it, she said, another figurine? Clark fondled the gift again. It was not a figurine, because the figurine had definitely been an issue last year. He agreed now that the figurine had been a strange gift, something suited better for a child. But it had looked so much like her, he still wanted to protest a porcelain maiden wringing out her long, long hair. Nope, he said. It's absolutely not a figurine. Hey, Charlotte said, looking up at him flirtatiously. Did you get me that necklace I saw at Shan's the other day? Did you sneak back over there and buy that necklace for me? It took Clark a moment to remember the necklace they had seen together. No, he said. Listen, I didn't get you jewelry. Okay, said Charlotte. Then can I have it now? Come on, said Clark. Use your imagination. But as soon as he said the word imagination, he knew he had chosen the wrong word. Since they'd begun moving in, Charlotte's lack of imagination had become an issue. She would stare at the empty rooms, blinking, unable to envision, Clark felt that she was unable to let go of the unexpected places and uses for things. She was unable to dream, unable to guess. The week previous, he had gone so far as to call her boring, and to prove that she was not boring, she took everything back out of the kitchen cabinets and dashed them against the wall. Among other things, such as all of his mother's china, she had broken the birthday figurine, and in that case, thought Clark, the figurine wasn't such a hot thing for her to bring up either. 
Charlotte's eyes darkened. She too remembered the incident with the china. She saw the white plates flying like epithets toward the wall. Although they'd had their tussles, they had never fought like that, never thrown anything, and now their first house was anointed in a shower of porcelain. She felt very bad about it, and also implicitly reaccused. She took a deep breath. She tried to remember that today was her birthday, a day to claim one's place at the center of everything before one has to step aside for the next of six billion people, a day to feel cosmically attractive, a day to feel wanted, and she tried to get back to that dreamy, closed-eyed feeling of the birthday girl. But instead, she said, helpless to stop herself, is it a rope to hang myself with? Suddenly, the issues abounded. Charlotte's rather dark sense of humor, her inability to behave...